And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Thursday, December the 10th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on December 10, 1964, Martin Luther King Jr. received his Nobel Peace Prize in Oslo. As they awarded it to him, he said, as he accepted it, he said, quote, with an abiding faith in America and an audacious faith in the future of mankind. Today in 1846, Brigham Young and the Mormons began their long exodus from Illinois to Utah. Today in 1861, the Confederacy admitted Kentucky. Today in 1869, women were granted the right to vote in the Wyoming Territory. There weren't many women in the territory at that time, I've read, but they could vote. Today in 1898, a treaty was signed in Paris, officially ending the Spanish-American War. And today, in 1942, Ford, Ford Motor Company, stopped all civilian car production. World War II was underway. Today, in 1987, President Ronald Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev, they concluded three days of summit talks in Washington. Reverend John Witherspoon, a great patriot, a pastor, an educator, and one of our founding fathers, he signed, along with his, his cohorts, he signed the Declaration of Independence. He said, a republic must either reserve its virtue or lose its liberty. That's what the real battle in America is about today. It's a battle between virtue based on timeless, eternal values or the ever-changing, evolving, relativistic worldview of the far left. Some of whom say they believe in God. Kamala Harris, pastor, has said, yes, she's a very devout Christian, although she spent her life not reflecting any values that a Christian church, a Christian pastor should be preaching or a Christian should be living. But they say they're Christian. Joe Biden, the same with his Catholic affiliation. He repeatedly talks about how his Catholicism, that he's a devout Catholic, how his Catholicism has guided his life, has guided his choices, and yet he's as hypocritical as anyone you'll ever meet. Because on the one hand, he identifies with the Catholic Church and their beliefs. And on the other hand, he is one of the great mouthpieces, one of the great advocates for abortion. And when he's cornered on this, which he is from time to time, not often because the press, of course, takes care of him. But when he's cornered on this and he's asked about it, he said, well, I personally uh, agree with my church but professionally, I don't have the right, meaning politically, I don't have the right to try to force my views on other people. And then he goes on to be a great advocate in the company of Hillary Clinton and others for abortion. That's the kind of a world we live in today. And that's, that's what John Witherspoon was putting his finger on, Pastor John Witherspoon, so many years ago. A republic must either reserve 
its virtue or lose its liberty. And if we don't have virtue based on something that is consistent, we have nothing at all. And that's kind of where America is at this moment in our history. Enough people, I don't know that it's a majority, but enough people with enough influence and loud enough voices have led America astray. And they have led us to what they call a new path rather than the old paths that Jeremiah talked about. And this new path is a kind of a new age mystic religion mixed with Christianity, evolving ideas, evolving truths. And that is the path to destruction. And that's why so many who have this insight, and many do, are fighting back so hard to save this nation from what would be, ultimately, destruction. That's what hangs in the balance in America today. It was A.W. Tozier, great pastor who pastored in, uh, in Canada for so many years, great theologian. He said in his time, I don't know what was happening at the time he said this. I don't know what the date was, but I know he said it. It's often quoted. He made the statement. He pastored the Avenue Road Church in Toronto, I believe. But he made the statement. It's been often quoted. A frightened world needs a fearless church. We live in a frightened world today. I'll tell you, a lot of people are frightened from COVID-19 to China to all of this stuff. It is frightening. And a person outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ can be panicked. And poll after poll after poll shows that we are. Suicides have spiked. Depression has spiked. People considering suicide or other means of hurting themselves. I mean, we live in a, in a challenging time. And people who do not have a solid basis for who they are and what they believe. I understand. We live in a chaotic, fear-driven, anxiety-driven world today. But praise God, there is a way. <laughs> it is a better way. And it is the way of the eternal word of Almighty God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then we advance from there. God's word never changes. His promises never change. You can pick up your Bible right now and read it. And the promises that God makes to you, written there, whether it was written by the prophets of the Old Testament or those who follow Jesus in the New Testament, they never change. They never are... Um, expunged because we've moved past that, we've evolved, it's all there. It's all true. Today is uh, first night. Tonight is first night of Hanukkah as well. A lot of Jewish people are saying today, I notice they're writing articles about it. A lot of them are saying it seems that maybe happy Hanukkah is not necessarily appropriate this year. They're observing that Hanukkah is not a major holy day in the Jewish faith, but it's an important one to Jews. The celebration 
is a problem, apparently, from a couple of articles I've read this morning written by Jewish people, that it's um, because it involves violent resistance, not heaven-set miracles. I'm quoting from one of them here. Um, that maybe they won't wish anyone happy Hanukkah this year. That's the kind of a world we live in. Things are changing. And if the church ever needed to be a clear clarion voice, the sound of the trumpet, it's now. And yet I see too many churches just silent. They don't even speak to the issues of our day. They do homilies, but they're very careful not to become um, controversial. Very careful not to offend anyone, so they say nothing. And that's what Tozer was talking about. What the fearful world of today needs is a fearless church who's willing to, at whatever cost, go out and tell the truth. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we try to do on this program. And I want to take a moment to thank you for your support of what we do on this program. We, as I said, this is quoted back to me sometimes, uh, people who support the ministry and are favorable toward us. But it's true. We wouldn't be here without you. And um, that's not just a little cliche that I've come up with or a slogan. It's the truth. We would not be here without you. So thank you to all of you who support us. To those of you who get something from this ministry, this daily originating live at 9 a.m. program, um, and you think that it should continue, it should continue to be a voice in your community, um, consider, prayerfully consider becoming a supporter of this ministry. You don't have to make a commitment to me, but I'm asking you to stand with us. Let God speak to your heart. And if the Lord directs you to do so, please do. If he doesn't, then don't. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009, Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You can also contribute online. You can go to our website, faithandfreedomandfreedom.us, and there's a tab there that you can vote online. Thank you. Thank you in advance for your support to all of you who do and to those of you who do not, but you're going to prayerfully consider it. Thank you. You may have heard that there's a big to-do about Biden, uh, Joe, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and his um, relationships, to put it mildly, with China and the Ukraine. I've talked about it a number of times on this program, but it's in the news finally now that in the minds of the press, Joe Biden is comfortably ensconced in the Oval Office. I would say not so fast, and I want to talk a little bit about that this morning, but before we get into that, there was some news, as though it is breaking news yesterday, that that there is a criminal investigation going on of Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son. And it specifically has to do with his business dealings, millions of dollars that I've mentioned often on this program, coming from China. Not only to Hunter, but to the Biden family. So this was, they were acting yesterday as though this was breaking news. It's not. 
this investigation has been going on since 2000, at least 2018. Maybe it started in 2017. But the press and the social media, Google, Facebook, Twitter, they've suppressed it. They did not want you to know about it. I talked about that a while back as well because a lot of people, in fact, a good percentage of people that voted for Joe Biden said they had no idea this was going on because they didn't listen to some of the conservative voices. Had they known it, 13% of them said they would not have voted for Joe Biden for president. That would have certainly changed the outcome of the election. But now that the election is safely in the pocket of the far-left progressives, they feel that it's okay now to put the story out there that Hunter's being investigated, because indeed he is. Remember the laptop that they found in the little shop there in Delaware? We talked about it on this program some time ago. Well, that was just confirmation to what apparently some of the FBI and other investigators already knew. Bobolinsky, the guy that appeared on Tucker Carlson's program, he worked for them. He was CEO of one of the companies that was they were going to be laundering money through. When he figured out what they were doing, he's a retired Navy SEAL, and when he re- figured out what they were doing, he, of course, distanced himself, removed himself from it, and he told Tucker the whole story, and we watched it. I talked about it on this program, but the, the media didn't cover it. They, didn't, they don't want that out there. But now they are reporting, as I said, as though it is new and breaking that Hunter Biden, yeah, he is being investigated. And I will tell you that they're going after the money laundering aspect of his his dealings, and that is very serious. I would suspect, because when they go after money laundering, from what I've read, is that they go, they trace the money that um, not only where it came from and how it was handled, but to whom it went after that. In other words, if Hunter went out and bought property, which I've read that he did, bought property and put it in someone else's name, like his Aunt Hazel or Uncle Jim or whomever, and, and there are the family, there is the family connection, or Joe Biden himself. This is going to become very difficult for Joe. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised, in my, just in my, my gut feeling, that this could lead to Joe Biden's resignation. Not tomorrow, not before the inauguration, should he be inaugurated. And that's up in the air, and I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. But if he is inaugurated as President of the United States, I would not see him, I would not be surprised if he did not finish the first term. He would not resign because of, oh, all of this dealing that he has said he didn't even know anything about. Obviously, he did. Bobolinsky, the CEO of Hunter's company, that what the money was going through, met with him. They discussed it. Joe, not Hunter. So he knew about it. How deeply he was involved will probably come out at some point. He will probably resign before four years, should he become president. And it would probably be because of failing health or some reason like that. It wouldn't be because of this investigation, but it really would be because of the investigation. You can remember that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't know, but 
that's my gut feeling at this point. That's the way it looks to me because the press really wanted his administration in place more than they want Joe. Joe thinks they worship him. They don't. They're just using him to install Kamala Harris, Susan Rice, all these people, these far, far, far left people who are socialist, globalists, secular, progressive. I mean, that that's what this was about. And all of their enabling of Joe was to get him in because obviously Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, they couldn't have been elected as president. But they felt that Joe could with their support, the media. And they were right. They got him across through all kinds of skullduggery and all kinds of you know, misdeeds behind the scenes. So that, in a nutshell, that's kind of what's happening today. So you, you probably will see this about Hunter, or maybe you did. They started publishing it yesterday. But this has been going on for quite some time. It isn't new, but it's very, very important. Also important is that on Monday, the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxson, filed a pleading with the United States Supreme Court. I mentioned that on Monday of this program. I mentioned it again yesterday. It's very important. Texas claims that the processes that that were followed in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin in this year's election were unconstitutional, and the results in those states should be negated. This is a big deal, and it's with the Supreme Court, and they're looking at it today as we speak. The U.S. Supreme Court has asked these four states to respond by 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursday, December 10. That's now. This program is originating at 9 in the morning, so we're talking about three hours from right now. Some of you hear it a little bit delayed. All of you who listen hear it on the same day today. But that's what's going on. So we'll see what happens. But President Trump tweeted, this is the big one, he said yesterday. He said, we'll be intervening with Texas. Our country needs a victory. Arkansas, Alabama, Missouri, Louisiana joined in support of Paxson's motion, Texas motion, right up front. Now there are many more states have come alongside of this. There's about 19 of them now. And that includes Arizona, who did not join this particular motion, but they filed their own motion in support of this motion. So even Arizona has come along and is part of this. It's a a big deal. So how will the accused states respond today? Will they not respond to the the court? I, I think they will. What will they say? I don't know. I mean, it's really up in the air. It's a very, very, just a brilliant, a move on the part of Texas. Essentially, Texas is arguing that the electoral process in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin are unconstitutional, that the results should be negated because this is a lawsuit between states. The Supreme Court has original and exclusive jurisdiction. John Hinderaker was writing in Powerline. There are a group of lawyers there that started this thing a few years ago. The, the head lawyer, it may have been John, was one of them. Uh, he retired, then he started this Powerline. It's very conservative and it's very legally oriented. It's, it's a good read. I kind of pay attention to what they're talking about on there. But he called this move a Hail Mary. He's referring to a football play that at the end of the game, you know, if like if the team that's behind has the ball and it's kind of a few seconds left in the game, if you don't watch football, it's a big deal in football. Uh, On the last play of the game, 
uh, most of the team runs down to the end zone and the quarterback throws it down there with a prayer that somebody on his team will catch it and win the game. That's why it's called a Hail Mary. It's not a Catholic um, ritual. It's just a football slogan. But anyway, you probably remember that analogy. Remember back in the days when we were allowed to go to football games and church and shopping? Yeah, back in those days. They used to do that. Paxson's appeal to the court affirms how important the integrity of our election process is because, according to his words, it, quote, binds our citizenry and the states in this union together. And boy, who would not agree with that? If we don't have confidence in our elections, what do we have, really? We're a republic, and we practice democracy in our elections. And if we don't trust our elections... We don't have much left. We are becoming, we're sliding toward, stumbling toward, like a third world country that's rich. It's serious. He says the states named in his appeal violated statutes enacted by their duly elected legislatures. Well, what are those? Well, by ignoring both state and federal law, these states not only tainted the integrity of our own citizens' vote, Texas says, but of all Every state in the United States, including Texas. The Texas Attorney General said their failure to abide by the rule of law casts a dark shadow of doubt over the outcome of the entire election. We now ask that the Supreme Court step in to correct this egregious error. The basis for this appeal to the High Court is that elections for federal office must comport with federal constitutional standards. It was a federal election. A presidential election. For presidential elections, each, each state must appoint its electors to the Electoral College in a manner that complies with the United States Constitution. Okay? These states didn't do that. Local officials, mostly all Democrats, they rushed decisions that were not approved by state legislatures or other constitutional requirements. The Elector's Clause of the Constitution requires that only a state legislature may set the rules governing the appointment of electors and elections, and that cannot be delegated to local officials. In these states mentioned in this, it's not a lawsuit. What they're doing, Texas is actually doing, and the press has not made this clear. I've kind of paid attention to the, to the mainstream press. They're talking about this a little bit, not much. I mean, they're, they've disregarded it, and maybe it won't go anywhere, but it's the best shot Trump has. Uh, I will say that, and he knows that. Uh, it's a, it's a g- genius, genius move on the part of Texas, and it's an honest move. They're not asking the, the Supreme Court to review the hundreds, maybe thousands of sworn affidavits by people like you and me, just ordinary citizens who are working there in these polling places and vote counting places all over the country. I mean, there's just it's just rot with corruption. But Texas isn't asking the Supreme Court to review all of that because they would just say, well, there isn't time or whatever. But what they're asking them is one thing. But that one thing is a big thing, and it affects the outcome of the election. It could flip it to Trump. Now, the press doesn't think it will. Biden certainly doesn't think so. He's elect. They're calling him president-elect. He's not president-elect. 
I mentioned that yesterday. Even the inauguration committee said yesterday he's not president-elect till we say he is. That's what that committee does. And they didn't do it. They decided not to, to defer taking action as they're supposed to do because of all of these things that are up in the air about this election. So the press gives you this, well, it's a done deal, but not yet. It may be, but not yet. Not yet. So that's what this is really about. The time that's left between now and the inauguration is always an issue with the far left. So Texas Attorney Attorney General Paxson, he addressed that issue in his appeal to the court. What he's appealing to the court is to allow him to file a formal, uh, would be like a lawsuit on behalf of his state, those that have joined him, and every other state that voted for Trump, that their right to an honest vote was taken away by the action of of election officials in these states, not the state legislature as the Constitution requires. These guys that were working, mostly Democrat in these election um, counting uh, operations, they, they, they changed the rules all over the place. They shut down vote counting. They said there was a water leak, and it, as it turned out, it was a plugged-up toilet in this big arena somewhere. I mean, it was bizarre. But they would shut down. They would send out the Republican observers, and then they would go on counting and all this. I mean, there's just a mountain of evidence. So, so Texas has bundled that all up into one thing and said, you stole the election because you didn't follow, you broke the rules, the demands, the requirements of the Constitution. And that's what makes this thing potentially so powerful. So Paxson said, none of the looming election deadlines, he told the Supreme Court, are constitutional. And they are within the court's power to enjoin. Indeed, if this court vacated a state's appointment of presidential electors, those electors could not vote on December 14th, 2020. If the court vacated their vote after the fact, the House of Representatives could not count those votes on January 6, 2021. Moreover, any remedial action can be complete well before January. Indeed, even the swearing in of the next president on January 20, uh, 2021 will not moot this case because review could outlast even the selection of the next president. A number of legal scholars say this case strikes them as plausible from a legal standpoint, and I've been reading a lot of them. I'm not a lawyer. I mean, I just, I read this stuff, but a lot of lawyers are saying, boy, this this is very interesting, and it has some legs, as they say, so we'll see what happens. That's where we are today on this election. The wisdom of this motion, in my opinion, is that it avoids addressing this mountain of detailed evidence out there that Rudy has been, Giuliani has been working on so diligently, but it's just so big that the court would just say, hey, we, we can't go through all this. But the Texas motion specifically addresses one issue, the elector's clause of the Constitution of the United States. So we'll see what happens. And this is what's happening in our world today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for your support. I'll see you right here tomorrow.